Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Just because it's late doesn't mean we're done yet. And the quarterback, you kidding me, coach? There's still plenty more hits to dish out. Well, he really hit the out of that one, didn't he? Look at that, he hit the ball. That gets a free stake. This is Late Hits on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Presented by Dr. Jennifer Joseph. Get Physical Rx. And by Dr. Krista Reyes. Texas Sinus and Snoring Audiology. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Patrick Creighton. This is the only live, local, and consistent evening sports radio show in Los City of Houston. Late hits, ESPN 97.5. Patrick Creighton with him. 713-780-3776. 713-780-ESPN. On the HRMP listener line, on the text line, on Twitter at PCreighton1. Josh Van is on the other side of the glass at the Master Controls at IMJ Chevy on the Twitter. On the Twitch stream, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. ESPN975.com, ESPN975 app. Tell Google, tell Alexa, play ESPN975. Take us with you everywhere you go. You know you want to. You know, I mentioned a uh, Monday show how, you know, I'm gone for a few days and this whole place starts burning. Uh, all the drama and the shenanigans that have been going on around here. And this week, all the fallout from the shenanigans that have been going on around here. You know, I got, I guess there's like two things. One, I got some beef. You start with Del Olalay, but I got some beef. Bruh. You can find the time to shout out every show on this station but me. How you work that? How you work that? Yeah, Del sign off today. Shout out to Paul Gallant. Shout out to the Killer Bees, Joel and Jeremy. Shout out to the wheelhouse, Jake and Cody, because BK was on with Dell this morning. And then apparently we sign off at 7 o'clock. Thought we were friends, Dell. I thought we were friends. I thought we were at least friendly. Get no respect. No respect. None. These are people I work with. No respect. Then... I work with some freaking weirdos. Man, you might remember, was it a couple of weeks ago? We learned some strange, intimate details about our friend Jake Asman that I wasn't sure I really wanted to know about, but he decided to tell us anyway. To be slurping down all 32 teams. That was more info than I ever needed to hear. You know, what you do, your own bedrooms, your business, what you do in the privacy of your own home is your business, your your love life is your business. That's not something you should be broadcasting, though. And I thought that would probably be the worst thing that I would hear from any of my colleagues, like, ever. Slurping down 32 te- Do you know how many people are involved in each team, let alone to do it to 32 of them? You're bound to get locked, jaw. I mean, there's going to be at least four sets of D-pads. Then, today, Paul Gallant, Look, and I know he's he's from Boston, and there's a phrase that we have from people from Boston. It starts with the word mass. 
and it ends with the word whole. And I don't want to say it together lest somebody forget that I put the M there. Uh, But Paul today shared some things about what he does behind closed doors that might actually be worse than what Jake shared. I, 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 I used to get tagged a lot. Things I did not need to know for 500, Alex. What the hell is going on around here? What is this, like like studio sexual confessions? Doesn't that be a cab driver and a secret camera somewhere? All I know is that, you know, if tomorrow there's a story about Jeremy Branham and Steers, I'm filing a formal complaint. Because this is a hostile work environment. Can't be working with these crazy whack jobs. I might have to call my congressman. This is this is nuts. We can't have that. I work with crazy people. Slurping, pegging. Is this is this sports radio? What what am I doing here? Am I on the wrong channel? Josh, did you know these things about our co-workers? I certainly did not. How am I supposed to look at them the same way? I'm not sure I can look at them the same way. I mean, now, every time I'm talking to Paul, am I going to, like, you know, take his big, giant, bushy eyebrows and think, wait, is he, is, he, is he trying to signal me? Is that why he's wearing those tight pants? Like, what, what, what is going on around here? How about every time Jake goes to visit a football game from now on? Bring a napkin. I am, I'm, I'm a little, like, I'm a little concerned. You know, these are younger guys, and, you know, maybe the younger guys are a little more. I mean, I We're not going to do that. We I'm, are I'm, not going to do gonna that. I was going to say, you know, maybe it's not all, not all younger guys, because, you know, I got one on the other side of the glass. He's a little younger guy. But maybe some people who are of the younger generation, they, um, you know, they don't, they're a little more liberal in their escapades than maybe some older people like me who, you know, are, well, not that liberal. So, yeah, it's today's been a weird day. And uh, I am, I'm very sorry to report it's only me tonight. There's no Pacho tonight, only Patrick. Um, you know, what is it like, uh, you know, um, which is like, there is no, it's only Zool, you know? Yeah, it's just me tonight. No Pacho. No Pacho today. Pacho girl did not uh, talk to me. She only made my pizza. She didn't actually talk to me yesterday. So, it was, it was kind of, it's kind of liberating to not be called a fat ass, but I went to get my pizza. That was nice. Appreciated that. Still can't get over the fact Jeremy and Joel chose Jake and Paul as the people who would say, well, they called me a fat ass. Like, like the two people who combined might weigh like 230 pounds. I think I got sweatshirts that weigh more than Paul. But this is, this is the group that I work with. They're, they're interesting. And uh, I guess a lot of people have been in trouble. They've been called to the principal's office. I'm sure I'm getting called to the principal's office after this segment. But a lot of people have been called to the principal's office because they've said not so nice things uh, about each other. They've they've uh, said bad things about other people. They've said bad things about other people's mommies. Uh, they've made fun of the way they talk and walk. They've they've mocked their position uh, on the on the show. Well, let's talk about mocking. Okay, like I said, I get no respect. Dell showed me no respect today. You know what else? Think about this. They're running auditions in the morning show, right? They're bringing in, I don't know, there's a couple of guys I never heard of. Um, you know, BK is auditioning from the afternoon drive to the morning drive. Like, Josh Beard is going to be in. And you know who's not auditioning? Me. You know why I'm not auditioning? I wasn't asked. Wasn't asked. I mean, I, I work in the building. Did anybody come and, like, walk by and say, hey, you know, well, we're doing auditions for the morning show. Would, would you want to be part of this? And nobody said that. 
Do you think I could get a phone call? Phone call? No phone call. How about an email? No, no email. Uh, text message? Nope. Nothing. Zip, zilch, nada. No respect. People who don't even work in our industry are getting, op- are getting uh, opportunities to audition. I've been here six years. I can't even get an email. I don't know anything about the new guy. I don't even know his name. Because, you know, see, the old guy, the guy who hired Paul um, and hired Jake and, and BK and Cody and Jeremy and Vanessa, that guy who's no longer here had zero conversations with me. Never, never talked to him. Nothing. Again, no, no phone call, no email, no text, no nothing. Every one of those positions, when they when they're available, did you think I got a, an? Inter- nope, got nothing. No, no respect. No respect. So, would you think the, the the new guy? I don't even know the new guy's last name. Has he has he called me? No. Has he texted me? No. Email? Nothing. Never seen him. Couldn't pick him out of the lineup. Everything old is new again, at least for me. No respect. I work with weirdos. I get no respect. But I love you guys. We're going to have fun tonight. We're also going to pay homage to the queen of rock and roll, the great Tina Turner, passed away earlier today. Uh, we'll get into your Houston Astros and all kinds of fun stuff. Next. ninety-seven five. of your hand makes my pulse react that it's only the thrill for me girl opposites attract it's physical this is late hits on ESPN 97.5 and on ESPN 92.5 presented by Dr. Jennifer Joseph get physical RX and by Dr. Krista Reyes Texas Sinus and Snoring Audiology. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Patrick Creighton. So this was the first Tina song that I really got into. 1984. In fact, there's so many really amazing things about about this album from Tina Turner, who, uh, 1984 uh, album Private Dancer... One of the greatest comeback albums in American music history. She was off the map, had a, a, a chart hit uh, with a cover song in 83, released Private Dancer in 84. This was the first single. Uh, it is her only number one hit, and it made her, at the time, the oldest single, like solo female artist to score a number one hit on the Hot 100 ever. She was 44. Wow. Has that been topped or has that been maintained? Uh, I don't know. I don't listen to top 100 music probably for the last 25 years. But 1984, I did because I was 11. You know, I didn't know about other stations really yet because, uh, you know, when I grew up on Long Island at this point in time, the big stations were uh, WPLJ and Z100. They were top 40. Uh, WBAB and WAPP, which would change its direction like 30 times. They were the rock stations. And 92.3 was a classic rock station. So I need the classic rock stations and a couple of the top, hot one, the top 40 stations. We didn't have a country station. Um, the only time you could really get any kind of metal was late at night on like 1023 WBAB, station I eventually would work at. Uh, Fingers Metal Shop would play uh, late at night, Friday, Saturday. Uh, but like at the time, you had Tina Turner with a big album, Bruce Springsteen uh, with a big album, 
Uh, Dance in the Dark was the big single uh, from his album. Uh, Prince had a monster album, When Doves Cry, was actually the number one song of all of 1984. And this song was number two. Michael Jackson's Thriller album was still posting uh, top hits and uh, his collaboration with Paul McCartney, Say Say Say, was the number three song of 1984. Uh, Kenny Loggins' theme to Footloose was number four. Van Halen's Jump was number six. Um, you know, you had you had big albums from Yes, uh, from Lionel Richie. You had multi, you had uh, Cindy Lauper. Girls just want to have fun. There were a ton. Uh, Duran Duran had a big uh, a big album. There was just so many uh, huge albums that came out in 1984. Like pop music then was good. I don't want to talk about, you know, taste pop music because I don't know what the hell happened. Some of it is just some just pathetic, whiny crap that makes me want to blow my brains out. But I'm just stunned at all the heavy hit releases that came out that year. Wow. It was, it was a big year. It was a big year. And, uh, you know, I remember, you know, when, when 100.3 became Z100, they were so much louder than every other radio station on the dial. Like, they amped it up really hard. So where most stations were, you know, modulating in like a normal round, they were pushing the line. So everything that they did came out. Like, if you had your radio on five, everybody else sounded like five, Z100 sounded like eight. So you'd always, if you could, you went to Z100, it was louder. So you always went to to loud. And then when you wanted to, because back in the day, when you wanted to record a song, Right, you couldn't download it. There was no internet. Al Gore had not invented the internet yet. You'd have had to have your double cassette deck ready so that when the song came on, you could hit play record and you're waiting for the DJ to shut the hell up because they always talked over the top of the song so that you could record it off the radio. Man, I had dozens of cassettes of just songs taped off the radio. Because that was that was Napster before there was Napster. But uh, Tina Turner passed away today. 83 years old. Passed away in Switzerland. She had made Switzerland her new home. But that song, what, what, uh, What's Love Got To Do? That was the first song that I had really gotten. Anything she had done with Ike previously was never on the radio in New York. Never. That was the first time I'd ever heard Tina Turner any song by her was when that song broke through in, in top 40 radio. Now, as far as our Astros are concerned, well, they decided they weren't going to show up offensively yet again, two days in a row. Offense took the day off. Really not that big a deal going forward. What we know about the Astros, you know, they have games like this. And it does not, it does not affect them in any way, shape, or form into the next game. It doesn't. I mean, it's also the World Series. They got, they got, they were terrible, and they come back and throw no hitter. Like, just, the Astros never roll over bad, bad juju from one game to the next. There, there are some important things to take away, though. Number one, they got good outings the last two days from J.P. Fran, uh, there. What the hell did I just do? From J.P. France and from Brandon Belak. They got, they got good outings from those guys. And I know people are going to look at the box score and say, oh, well, Belak gave up four. Belak pitched into the seventh. Brandon Belak has no business being in the game in the seventh inning. None. But he pitched into the seventh. And then he gave up a pair of solo homers in the seventh inning. But he gave you six innings, two runs, three hits. Normal situation. Thank you very much, Brandon. This is a great outing. I'm going to hand it over to the bullpen now. Instead, Dusty left him in to pitch the seventh. He got two outs, gave up a pair of homers, and then he had to go to Abreu. And Abreu got him four outs. You know, bing, bang, boom, done. The Astros, of course, they got four hits and one walk. They just didn't do beans today. 
offensively. And they get they get blanked two days in a row after scoring 12 runs. It won't matter anything into the next series. But it's just frustrating, right? As a fan, it's frustrating. How you score 12 runs against a former Cy Young Award winner, then a guy comes in with an ERA north of five and you can't touch him, and then uh, you know guy that you uh, traded away as part of the deal to get Carlos Gomez comes in and shuts you down and, and all the bullpen guys, and you don't do anything. Yeah, it's frustrating. It's frustrating to watch. You won eight in a row, and then, you know, all right, we're, uh, you know, the offense just takes a, a day off. But there are, there are some important things to take away, right? So France and BLAC giving you good outings, those are positive things to take away. Uh, Abreu batting fifth today went one for four. Obviously did not hit a homer. And a lot is put on Abreu because he doesn't have a homer. And his on base is below 300. And his slugging is like below 550, which is. When your slugging is lower than Martin Maldonado, we got, we got questions that got to be answered. And I gave you the specifics on the numbers yesterday about how uh, his barrel rates and his uh, expected on base and expected slugging uh, and his exit velocities. Uh, all these numbers from last year, which were very, very high, even though he only had the 15 homers, he had 40 doubles. He had an OPS over 800. That's pretty much all-star level. You hit 300, your OPS is over 800. That's all-star level. This year, he is so in the tank. I mean, he's got numbers where that have gone from 93rd percentile and hard hit rate to like 33rd percentile. Right? Uh, expected slugging from like, uh, what was it? Uh, exit velocity from like 97th percent to like 8th percent. His bat is slow right now. His bat wasn't slow last year. Really at all. It wasn't slow. So what is causing the bat to be slow? Is it an injury? Is it a mechanical thing? Is it a mental thing? There's an issue why an all-time great slugger suddenly can't get the bat around. And so far, the Astros don't really seem to be addressing it as, hey, let's get him out of the lineup. Let's work on his mechanics. Let's figure out what's up with his swing. And let's get this, get him right. Because if you let him struggle, you know, for three months, four months, at what point does it become? If it's not mental now, it will be. And you've got $60 million invested in this guy over the next three years. You need to get him right. And if that means hurting his feelings a little bit by taking out of the lineup for a few days, if that means hurting his feelings a little bit by, you know, getting his tape from 2020 when he was the MVP and breaking down the swing from there, breaking down the swing from now and seeing what's different. I mean, that's the kind of analytical thing you'd think the Astros would have done, I don't know, April 5th. So, slow start is one thing. We're almost to Memorial Day. It's not really start anymore. Now we're almost a third of the way through the season. You got to show some signs of life. And despite that... Abreu's hitting 222, still hitting better than Alex Bregman at 219. Since coming off the injured list, Chaz has not hit the way he did previously. His average has fallen to 219. Jeremy Pena's on base is six points higher than Abreu's. He also completely whiffed on covering a back pick at second base that led to a run in yesterday's game. Saw Diaz come out of the chute, fired the back, picked the second base, and Pena was just frozen in the sand, not paying attention. So, there's been a little sloppiness and some bad at-bats, some bad approaches. And they'll take a day off tomorrow and they'll get their bleep together before they start their next year. Now, there is something really, really stupid going on in the Astros universe. 
And at first, I just, you know, people were just being idiots, right? No, no, no. Now it's past that. Because it's not just a handful of people. It's a ton of media. It's a ton of fans doing the dumbest crap in Astros universe. And I'll tell you what it is next. ESPN. She's got her, her like mellow, sultry part, and then she has her power voice segments. And there was a time, uh, really, even in the '60s, where this kind of song would struggle to get on the radio because music producers thought you either had to be up tempo the whole time, or you had to be slow the whole time. You couldn't change tempo. Because it would change the genre of the song. And, you know, one of the first people to break through that was Frankie Valley, The Four Seasons. They have a lot of songs where you have huge tempo swings up and down. And they faced a lot of pushback from record labels of, well, it's not a ballad and it's not a power song. Well, what is it? And it turned out to be you know, incredibly popular loved music. Tina is as good at that as anybody in the history of music, the ability to change tempos within songs and and feature the power of her voice. You know what, Tina? I don't understand either. I don't understand some things with, with some Houston media, with some Astros fans who... I, I don't quite understand... Maybe I wasn't, because I wasn't here in the 90s and in the early 2000s. Is Jeff Bagwell a bad person? Do people hate him? I mean, I see Craig Biggio, people worship at the altar of Craig Biggio. But Bagwell doesn't seem to get that same kind of love. And this blaming of Bagwell, like it's everything that's going wrong with Jose Abreu, this is somehow Bagwell's fault, is the Dumbest crap anybody affiliated with the city of Houston can throw out there regarding the Houston Astros. It is absolute idiocy. Bagwell's fault. Bagwell did it. I mean, this is telling on yourself. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. It's telling on yourself. Because what do we know about how the Astros were working after James Click was relieved of his duties. What do we know about that? Well, we know that a lot of the reason why James Click was relieved of his duties was because he had a fractured relationship with owner Jim Crane. One of the biggest things that caused that fracture was Click's inability or refusal or failure to secure a deal with Starling Marte the year before. Jim Crane told Click, I want Starling Marte, go get him. But he was in a bidding war with Stevie Cohen's Mets. And the numbers got big. 
And James Click said, ooh, I don't know if I want to spend that much money. And instead of telling Jim Crane, this is the number it's going to take, are we cool with this? He backed out and Crane was furious when he found out Marte went to the Mets. He was furious. What do we know about Jim Crane? He has been much more involved, very hands-on, day-to-day, since he had to terminate the employment of Jeff Luna. Jim Crane was never going to get blindsided again. He gave Luno a ton of leeway. He let Luno run the show. He was never going to let Crane run, uh, Click run the show like that. He was always going to have his hands all over everything. And Click didn't know how to deal with that. Instead of forming a strong relationship with Crane... He wound up fracturing. It was just bad relationship management by the general manager cost him his job. It wasn't the job that Click did because he did a fine job. He kept everything moving. They won. They went to the World Series. They won a title. Like James Click didn't do a bad job. He didn't do an incredible job, but he didn't do a bad job. He certainly didn't deserve. To lose his job on merit, he lost his job because he couldn't get along with Dusty and he couldn't get along with Crane. After Click was relieved, the Astros had this three-headed monster of a general manager position with three assistant GMs, Andrew Ball, Bill Ferkus, and Charles Cook. I don't know how many Astros fans know those three guys' names. Those were the three guys who formed the the GM triumvirate, reporting to Jim Crane. Then there was Jeff Bagwell, who was a consultant and gave his opinion. Jeff Bagwell did not make decisions. He gave his opinion. Then there were three GM guys who made their decision and brought it to Jim Crane, who had already made his decision. You want to know why Michael Brantley's on this team Uh, and they didn't really go after any other outfielder? Because that was Jim Crane's decision. You know why Rafael Montero got a big deal? Because Jim Crane wanted to bring back what was the best bullpen in baseball a year ago. Now, a savvy GM would have told Jim Crane, bullpen arms are the most volatile in performance year over year. And when you have a guy like a Ryan Presley, who is consistent year over year, you invest in that guy. When you have a guy like a Rafael Montero, who is not consistent year over year, you do not give that guy a big contract. That was Jim Crane's doing. He wanted the deal. It got done. Jim Crane wanted Jose Abreu. Right? The whole idea of maybe Anthony Rizzo. Well, Anthony Rizzo decided to stay with the Yankees. He was on the market for like a day. They didn't really have an interest in Josh Bell. Abreu was certainly the most accomplished of all the first basemen. This is a Jim Crane call. Right? Bagwell got to fly down to Miami to meet him at the very end to wrap up the deal. Not start the deal, to wrap up the deal. But it's all Bagwell's fault. Fire Bagwell. You want to know whose fault it is? Go look at the owner. There's not a lot of things that you could say about Jim Crane over the last seven years and say, yeah, this is a bad idea. But there have been a few. Refusing to pay Georgie, that was one. Because they, you know, kind of never really, they really replaced George Springer. Okay, but the owner learned a lesson this offseason. Being a GM is not as easy as he thought it was. And when you're a big market team, you're going to take some big swings and you're going to hit some and you're going to miss some. There is nothing in any analytical data that said Jose Abreu was going to fall off a damn cliff this year. There's nothing. 
You can pour through all the advanced analytics, even from last season. There is not a damn thing that says Abreu was going to fall off a freaking cliff. His barrel rate, his hard hit rate, his exit velocity, all of those things were still 95th plus percentile. When that deal got signed, not one person said, oh, that's a terrible signing. All around baseball, every beat writer, every city, every national guy thought this was a great get for the Houston Astros. Now, it hasn't worked out because whatever's going on with Abreu was going on with Abreu. But this Bagwell blaming and Bagwell hate is the stupidest crap that's getting thrown out there. And every time you see somebody do it, I want you to take a page out of Gibbs from NCIS and just slap them upside the back of the head for being stupid. Late hits. ESPS. 70s baby I didn't get to see the original Mad Max 79 or Mad Max 281 the first one that I saw was Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome which of course starred Tina Turner alongside Mel Gibson and this was the theme to the song to the to the movie Bust the deal, spin the wheel. But this was the first Mad Max movie that I got to see. And then years later, uh, when I had access to, you know, older movies, I was able to go back and watch the other ones. Yay, Internet. You know, I, I wasn't willing to go spend like $7 at the video store to see if they had a a copy of the movie. A lot of the video stores, like, they didn't have old movies like this. Like, when you want to make it a blockbuster night, well, I'm dating myself. When you want to make it a blockbuster night, uh, they had, like, all, like, movies that were, like, the last couple years old. Then they had some, like, a few classics. But they didn't have, you know, movies like the original Mad Max, which was more of a cult hit than a, than a big breakthrough movie. This wound up being the breakthrough. And Tina Turner played Auntie Entity, ruler of Bo- Bartertown. She made a deal with uh, with Mel Gibson to uh, kill uh, the guy who ran the, the factory that produced the methane from the pig poopies. He had to kill that guy's uh, basically protector to get him to do what she wanted so she could maintain control of Bartertown. That's the guy who Mel Gibson has to fight in Thunderdome, in the cage. Two men enter, one man leaves. But then after he knocked off the guy's helmet and he realized the guy was basically, like, mentally incapacitated, he took pity on him. And he broke the deal, so then he gets strapped to a horse and sent out into the desert. It's, it's, not, a, uh, it's not a theatrical masterpiece. But it's an, it was an entertaining movie. And that was, that role really, Tina got that role because of the breakthrough of 1984's Private Dancer. And that's how she got that role and wound up doing the, the theme song to the movie. Good to know. Little reunion with Tina 
and, uh, and the cinema. She had actually been in the movie Tommy uh, in, the, in the 70s, but that like never really had another role until this movie in 85. So Private Dancer wasn't just a renaissance for her musically. It was a renaissance for her as an actress as well. A reunion with Tina and success. Now, there's been a lot of talk about a reunion with the Rockets and James Harden. And as you guys know, I feel like bringing back James Harden is a lot like falling down an empty elevator shaft. But could there be a different reunion between the Rockets and a former player, a former well-liked player, uh, although he does make enemies pretty much with every other team, Uh, On his podcast, Patrick Beverly had this to say regarding his chances of once again being a Houston Rocket. Very highly. Very high chance of you going back to Houston? Very highly. Of you going back? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I think that was one of my, you know, decisions when, you know, when I got traded from the Lakers, the Houston was one of my, you know. But they told me, Pat, we don't need you right now. You know, you might not play. We need you to mentor young guys, blah, blah, blah. So I still wanted to play, so. I would be okay with Pat Bev back on the Rockets. What we know about Beverly is, right, there's no plays off on defense. You're going to hustle. He is going to get in their butts and get in their face, and he's going to make them work. He is going to be all over him, all over him in practice, physically, verbally. He's going to be chasing him down. Pat Bev, still a good three-point shooter. Wasn't when he first came into the league. It's something he worked on and developed that eventually he became a guy who was knocking down 40% threes at one point. Spot-up shooter. Boy, it'd be nice if the Rockets had somebody who could knock down threes and play defense. I mean, and they don't need Bev to play 30 minutes. You know, if if Pat's willing to play, you know, 15, 20 minutes a night and, you know, help coach up some of these younger guys and teach them what it is, you know, to be an NBA player and the work ethic that is required to be successful because they haven't had that in the Rockets organization in the last few years. I think a guy like Pat Bev is exactly what they need. Somebody who's going to put some boots to asses. Now, P-Bev got a little, he got a little reputation. and You know, uh, there are some around the league that might think that he is not the cleanest of players, though I will say I've never seen him just haul off and blast somebody in the junk. Doesn't mean he hasn't done it. I just haven't seen it, and I don't recall it off the top of my head. I mean, I've seen him hip-check guys, but I don't care about that. P-Bev. Who is the dirtiest player in the game? Here is what Patrick Beverly had to say. Chris Paul. Chris Paul? Uh, <laughs> the cone? But, but it's like it's like it's a shock when you say it in, in front of like people who's not in the basketball world, but when you say it in front of like basketball players and referees, even referees. Oh, okay, yeah, that doesn't surprise you know. And what does is, what is dirty come down to? Is it like yanking on your arm while you're going for a rebound? Yeah, is it like, like tweaking like, your knee when somebody's on the bench like George Niang did? Yeah, or like you go for a layup, push you in the back. Or like you go for a loose ball, grab on your knee. Like I would never grab on another player's knee. But to answer your question, that's the, that's the answer I have. Chris Paul. Hey, Lion. How many years have we seen Chris Paul doing dirty? But, but he's Chris Paul, so, you know, he, he can't. Oh, no, no, no. Chris Paul, Chris Paul just tried to be slick about it. And there's not a bigger flopper in the history of the league than Chris Paul. Remember Chris Paul deliberately walking into Boogie Cousins and then throwing himself like 20 feet? You want to know why there's flopping in the NBA? Chris Paul. Yeah, those guys are who, uh, you know, will undercut you as you're going to the basket. Chris Paul. Will shove from behind. Chris Paul. Oh, yeah. That doesn't mean Chris Paul's not a great player, but Chris Paul definitely a dirty player. 
I do have a quick question for you, PC, in regards to the first uh, audio clip we played on Patrick Beverly returning to Houston. Did he admit to basically tampering? Is that going over people's heads, or is it, is it just me? No, I think that if um, if there were discussions about a trade, and he was say, "Hey, you know, you know," and they expressed, you know, to his agent, "Hey, this is what his role would be," or you know. I respect that anytime there's a, there's a trade and it's a situation where a team is trying to move a guy to a, a destination of choice, an agent's going to be involved and there's going to be conversations and both teams are aware of that. So the Rock has probably expressed, hey, this is what we would ask of him for this season. Uh, and he didn't want to have that role. So, I mean, I respect that he wanted to play. I would expect if he came here this year, he'd still want to play at least some. And with the Doka, he would play. I think the focus of the Rockets has clearly changed. They are not in just straight-up kid development. Now they are into, we need to see progress. And there are definitely going to be changes made to the roster. And I think not all of these young guys are going to be here next year. They're going to, they're going to weed out who's, who stays and who goes. And As I said yesterday with Jalen Green talking about how much he – uh, loves Kyrie Irving and wants to go train with Kyrie Irving. Ship him the hell out of here because if you are if you want to emulate Kyrie Irving, I want no part of you. You know, I, I don't need to see old James Harden come here. I do need to see young Jalen Brown, who loves Ime Udoka. That's the guy I need to see come here. You know what? I, I'll, I have no problem. I'll put Jalen Brown in that deal. You guys want Jalen Brown? You can have him. Would you also like Kevin Porter Jr.? You could have him too. You know, if I got to trade the fourth pick, I trade the fourth pick. Jalen Brown's a stud. I don't know if Jalen Green's ever going to be a stud. What do you think his ceiling is? Jalen Green, to me, when, when he first came out, I thought he was a guy who... Uh, I thought he was a guy who could be like a Trey Young, just Fill up buckets. Not going to play a lot of defense, but would fill up buckets. At the very least, he'd be a young Jamal Crawford who could get his own bucket, uh, score just tons of points in a hurry, be a guy you could lean on to get you a basket when you needed it. You would hope that the defense eventually would come up to league average. The defense is not league average. The shooting is not great. The shot selection is not great. The attitude is not great. Um, I have no problem, you know, okay, bye. I'm getting Jalen Brown, bye. When, when the Rockets originally acquired Harden, right, they broke down a team that was, like, chasing the eight spot every year, you know, 42 wins, etc. They They got rid of Kevin Martin and Louis Scola, and, and they broke the team down. And they brought in James Harden. They let's let's build around a young player who's got a lot of star potential. You bring in an old Harden now, and you're dooming yourself to be that same team that's basically chasing a first-round exit every year. You're dooming yourself to be that team for as long as Harden is here with the amount of money he's going to want. And if you're worried about your locker room not having a lot of accountability not having a lot of discipline, you cannot bring in James Harden who has no accountability and no discipline. The only discipline James Harden has is he's going to the strip club tonight. That's, that's a done deal. You are getting to, he is getting to the strip club and that will happen. That's the only discipline he got. I, I don't need that on, on my young team. When he was young and at his best, he couldn't get you over the hump. What makes you think he's getting you there now that he's older and he's a little less uh, in shape and he's a little less skilled than he used to be and the rules have changed and he doesn't get to the line the way that he used to be? Like James Harden is, is still a good player. He is not an MVP caliber player anymore. He can't make you a team that is going to be a real competitor. And after three years of absolute suckitude, my reward for watching three years of that suckitude cannot be we're going to be a team that's out in the first round. We're going to be a one and done. Uh-uh. Late hits. 
You gonna answer that? To call into the HRP listener line, dial 713-780-ESPN. The Affordable Care Act continues to be a complex regulation, and employers must comply. Visit hrp.net for help. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game-changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 